Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. A roast as dark as the night, perfect for fueling the cryptid research and mad ravings required for your podcasting. Don't mind the red eyes. He's just trying to warn you of the bridge. The bridge. Finally, from the caffeine-addled brains of spring Jack Coffee and last podcast on the left, we bring you Mothman's Red Eye Blend. Yes, delicious Panama beans. Go to lastpodcastmerch.com to order yours today. <laughs> hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here with Henry Zabrowski. <laughs> yeah, it's me, man. Yeah, bro. Henry Zabrowski is smoking some of that sweet last podcast on the left, babe. <laughs> Go out there and purchase yourself some. I hope you enjoy it. We have sativa, we have indica, and we have a hybrid. And I have to tell you, from my personal experience, they are wonderful. Super tasty live resin. You really get the delicious weedy taste, which is what I like. And yes. three different experiences. You go to your local vape store and get it. Absolutely. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. We absolutely love you. Can't wait to see you on the road. And get that vape, put it in your brain, and have a good time. And if you want us at your favorite weed store, give them a call and ask for them by name. Last podcast on the left, it's weed. Hail yourselves, everyone. Hail Satan. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast on the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. frogs um what what's frogs? not enough we mean what's not enough uh, at this point in the i am now it's so an interesting shredded. question i yeah. i'm so sure it's very interesting i mean i'd say it's a valid question you know what's not, not enough you know what's not enough switch the o make it an a Pew. an appetizer oh i thought there you were gonna say an app no no, like, no no more apps no more apps you can still trust a mott stick you can still trust a buffalo chicken i don't you know you can still it trust a quesadilla baby it depends on who's mm. serving them to you and where you're at in the context of eating these so-called appetizers what are we teasing mm-hmm. invasion I could actually argue that appetizers could be an app because if you look at the quality of fast food over the last couple of decades, you can see that the quality this has dropped precipitously. Therefore, I believe Sugars. that it's quite possible that mm-hmm. the American government is getting us used to a lower quality of food that will one day result in us eating cockroach cubes. They want us to live I completely in agree. A cave. <laughs> and this is what's happening. And Welcome that's why we need to, to start left. changing it from appetizers to 
Oppetizers. Oppetizers. <laughs> the Oppenheimer Oppetizer. Welcome to the last podcast on the left, everyone. I am Ben hanging out with Henry and Marcus. This episode is officially the most powerful we've ever done because now I can't even trust cheese. See? <laughs> broke him. We broke him. <laughs> am I still Henry? I don't know anymore. Because if I'm just the framework of Henry, yes. you and you would never know the difference if you just had an actual sort of walking avatar version of myself. There and would be hiding you know what the moment a fucking would be? assassin. You know what the moment would be where we would realize that that's not the real Henry Marcus? When? Remember when we were in Scotland? We fought, we, uh-huh. we passed a dude playing the fiddle, and all of us, yep. our knees started moving, <laughs> and we just started instinctively white person dancing. I felt my and racial it, history if, like come through the generations. If we are walking with you, and we find out, we follow, and we pass a fiddle, and we see them knees not moving... That's not Henry, man. Please, you better be there to pull the plug. Absolutely. (laughs) All right, everyone. Let's get into MKUltra part four. Oh, yeah. Now, by this point in our series, I wouldn't blame you if the sheer amount of information we've conveyed about MKUltra is causing your head to spin. Welcome to the fucking party, all right? Fucking get on the level. Catch up. I feel like I'm on the Gravitron. So we figured it might be helpful to do a small recap of how we got to this point. And we also thought it would be helpful to address why MKUltra is such a slippery and confusing subject. Now, the operative words here are secrecy and arrogance. The roots for MKUltra lay in the OSS, the precursor to the CIA that we covered in episode one. Their freewheeling style of doing whatever they felt was right, no matter what anyone else said or did, gave the CIA let's say, an independent streak. I learned it from watching you. Whoa, man. (laughs) What are you talking about? Is that why you masturbate by pushing it in until it gets hard and then you stroke it, huh? I wish you had covered up them (laughs) keyholes, Pappy. Oh, Because I knew them keyholes were going to show me things that I didn't want to know, but I kept coming and looking. I learned it from watching you. And since the higher-ups at the OSS were all men of privilege and great wealth from the richest families in America... Coincidence! Mm-hmm. Eh, I think really what it is more than that, it's a certain Masters of the World arrogance that got baked into the CIA's DNA, along with a healthy disdain for people that they considered lesser than. Again, it's not necessarily conspiracy, it's just classism. It's just, just straight-up classism that is just baked in, it is not a bug, it is a feature. Absolutely. I can just see them in the cafeteria line, looking at the cookie tray, being like, there's no raisin cookies? We love raisin <laughs> cookies, and could you please just bring back more raisin cookies? And That's it's like, how you, you know. need to get out of here. That's how you know you're a member of the black nobility. Is that you like raisins in your <laughs> raisins cookies. Raisins in your cookies, please, God. I fucking love oatmeal raisin cookies. They're wow. fantastic. Oh, my, okay. See? Okay. The oatmeal kind of changes it a little bit. It gives it a working class flair. So after World War II and the OSS came the Cold War against the Soviet Union and the CIA. And Americans decided that the Soviets were both an all-powerful enemy with agents everywhere and an inferior state with a political belief system that no American would ever willingly choose. They got two opposite ideas in their head. Right. And while the Soviets were indeed lethally clever and dangerous, make no mistake, they were nowhere near as powerful as we made them out to be. And while Soviet communism was indeed a bad idea poorly executed, communism 
is not evil in and of itself. We looked at them as if, and we projected a fantasy villain onto their substructure in terms of this realm of villainy. The idea of brainwashing, behavior modification, and what we did was that Mm. we created the villain that we wanted to see in our own minds and then decided to out-joust that fake villain for supremacy Mm -hmm. in the world of behavior modification when there was no competition to begin with. And of course, communism, as we learned from the movie Clue, is just a red herring. Mm. Also, communism, it's just a, it is just a... It's uh, an economic system that talks about like the idea, you know, which is there's things to be learned from it. It's a government system, an economic system, and in itself, it is just a tool. But humans make it impossible We're to achieve. We're the bad ones. Also, this mm-hmm. reminds me of the time that uh, in the military, for the Russian military, they would have parades and they would fly the same planes over and over and over again. And the U.S. would be like, they have to have thousands of them. But it was just the same four. Yeah. And it just kept yeah. on refilling. <laughs> so, yes, it was exaggerated, the power so of the Soviets. They are inc- they weaponized show business. They really did. They really did. Yeah. Well, since many in the American government and the American public believed in the power of the Soviets, and to be honest, the Soviets cultivated that belief to great effect, it generated a level of paranoia that led to some terrible decisions. Biggest example, the Vietnam War. But that paranoia did not just fuel foreign policy. It also contributed heavily to the projects pursued by the CIA, who, as Henry said, had come to erroneously believe that the communists, both Soviet and Chinese, had developed mind control techniques. Oh, man, the word erroneous has been ruined by Ernest Goes to Camp. Eggs erroneous. (laughs) Eggs erroneous. So, building off previous research done by the Nazis and by the OSS, the CIA began experimenting on humans in a series of projects that would fill this non-existent mind control gap, starting with Operation Bluebird. So you mentioned, Marcus, that isn't don't the Nazis do a bit of what you like to do, research? Wow, isn't wow. that interesting that we all have Holy something wow. fucking shit? We all it's coming wow. from inside. I'm really the, starting yeah. to think he is the appetizer. No, no, no. And no, no, I yeah. am the entree of America. Yeah. Maybe I'm not the CIA up. Ding, ding. Oh, I'm sorry. My mott sticks are done. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a you and a, a Paul Pot. You both do that thing. It's called breathing. Isn't that interesting? Oh, interesting. Isn't that interesting? interesting. interesting. Isn't that well, interesting? I don't even know anyone named Paul, and I would never trust anyone <laughs> with the last name Pot. <laughs> there has to be a burlesque dancer, like a boyless dancer named Paul. Oh, my Paul God. Pot. That's so, that's so <laughs> funny. It's very offensive, but funny. And so, as the Cold War escalated, so too did the CIA's research into mind control. And with each iteration, the experiments got more intense and more widespread. Project Bluebird morphed into Project Artichoke, which itself became MKUltra. And once MKUltra was established, the gloves were off. Whereas before the subjects in these mind control experiments were mostly confined to foreign nationals, MKUltra expanded the subject pool to American citizens. Some were forced into participating while others, quote-unquote, volunteered. But none had any idea that many of these experiments were tailor-made to destroy their minds forever. So over the last... The variousness of MKUltra experiments cannot be understated. It cannot be. And if we talk... So to sum up, the last three episodes were... The rise of the OSS and the creation of the OSS using research that they we purchased from the Nazis, various things, in order to start the trails into the world of a truth serum and how that became Project Artichoke and then it became MKUltra. And what I forget is the, I've now been reading this material for two months and we had a call yesterday, Marcus and I were talking yesterday. It when is we, like, 
one fourth of the year. It's a lot. It's a lot. But Wait, you, you start. Oh, to, I got a better math. Like when I was no, doing Alistair Crowley. One sixth of the year. <laughs> you're, of I don't year. know. It's a lot of the year. I'm, I'm, I'm concentrating on fractions right now. There's no time for fractions. I'm sorry. Right now. Go on. I'm Wait, sorry. But the uh, so I forget that you are as a listener are not reading the same material I'm reading for two yes. months. So I was saying like, as when we were doing the Aleister Crowley episodes, by the time I got to Libra four, it all started to kind of click in my mind. They started to kind of see the substructure that Aleister Crowley really was the master of and why I ended up kind of like gaining more and more respect for him as a thinker, as the episodes went, because I really started to see the structure as a whole. Same thing with MK ultra. I would recommend to you, if you really want to know what's going on, and this is not just a plug for our show, listen to these episodes several times. Start to see the map of <laughs> where the good. tentacles go. This is a tr this is a great psyop. But this is real. This is real. Like because we yeah, talk get about your fucking yarn board out, man. Seriously. Like start connecting the dots. <laughs> we talk about the octopus of malice for a reason. It's because it really is difficult. Marcus is now going to explain why it's so difficult to kind of put this all together in a timeline because it's purposely obfuscated. What we need you to do as a listener is do your fucking homework and get into the shit. If you want to learn about Project Monarch, which we're going to get to next episode. Mm. You're going to need to start doing the walk yourself to understand how you get to Project well, Monarch from the OSS. And that is what we are desperately trying to contain in an audio way here on the show. And yeah, Natalie walks away from me when sure. I try to explain to her the PAS system, right? Natalie walks away from me when I try to explain how they put children in cages and then feed them chocolate in order to rip apart their minds. Absolutely. Well, I don't understand why. <laughs> I'll tell you what. You know, you you mentioned homework. There is a French candidate right now who happens to be a communist who's running on a platform of no homework. Uh, but he is running to be the, the leader of the country, not the leader of a middle school. Yeah. yeah. Now, as to why the subject of MK Ultra is so slippery, we know for a fact that MK Ultra existed and engaged in human experimentation on a large scale. But most of the CIA files pertaining to MKUltra were destroyed decades ago. The reason why we have the particulars, however, is because many MKUltra experiments were done out in the open at universities and mental hospitals, both in America and abroad. Mm. And the results were published in dozens, if not hundreds, of scientific journals that anyone could read. The hidden scandal of MKUltra is that the CIA and therefore the American public secretly paid for all of it, mm. commissioning hundreds of studies and experiments that practiced near Nazi levels of cruelty in the vague hope that all of it would somehow add up to mind control. Your tax dollars hard at work. Just cut to a kid, yeah. just like. He's <laughs> <laughs> tied to a bed with ping pong balls on his fucking the tape to his face while he's just like screaming about his mother. <laughs> now, one of the most interesting parts of MK Ultra is that these scientists would have been doing all of this highly unethical research even if the Cold War wasn't happening. It's like if we never got an ad deal for our last podcast. Yeah, we'd yeah, still be we doing still it. Done it. Because very few of these scientists even knew that their funding was coming from the CIA wow. because the money had been laundered through other agencies. In the 50s and 60s, the CIA funded projects at 44 universities, including the universities of 
Pennsylvania, Minnesota, Denver, Illinois, Oklahoma, Texas, Rochester, and Indiana, as well as Harvard, Berkeley, City College of New York, Columbia, MIT, Stanford, Baylor, Emory, George Washington University, Cornell, Florida State, Vanderbilt, Johns Hopkins, and Tulane. Yeah, man, and it's all over the place. And then not even talk about all the various anthropological groups that took money to to find out how we can... The term was international stressors oh, and great. the idea was to try to figure out what stresses out and don't other people <laughs> like, what stresses you out today we're going to no. practice tickling don't tickle me don't tickle me i'm tickling you <laughs> um also don't forget all the experimentation uh involving crystal meth with our community colleges i mean that seems to be <laughs> was, a lot of those yeah, a lot was, of those brave volunteers it was pretty intense. they really yeah. took oh, it upon yeah. themselves yeah yeah, really. Yeah, I think South Plains University in Leveland, <laughs> Texas, was like one of the top crystal meth research labs in the entire country, at least from 2001 to 2006. Yeah. And I went to community college. I know. But because of the CIA's laundering of MK Ultra funds, we have no way of knowing the full scope of how many universities actually furthered the CIA's quest for mind control, nor do we know how many lives were destroyed as a result, Fritz Springmeier says over 3.5 million people were programmed to be sex slaves. Don't fucking bring Fritz Springmeier into this goddamn episode. You wait until next okay. week before you bring that okay. crank into okay. this. Hey, he Mom, was only arrested Dad. for assault and robbery one time. Mom, Dad, can I just have the Happy Meal, please? Can we just get out of this drive through for McDonald's? Welcome to the Awakened Meal, oh, son. Oh, man. <laughs> Well, for an example of how far the octopus of malice inserted its tentacles into academia, the infamous Milgram shock experiments, in which regular people were commanded by men in lab coats to torture people with an escalating series of electric shocks, they were funded by the Office of Naval Research, which was funded in part by MKUltra. And also what's fun is that we'll get into a little bit of detail here is that they would fund many legit things as well legit quote-unquote not mk ultra involved businesses and and research groups and all this kind of shit and was that the official title is not mk not mk (laughs) wink 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 with all the emojis um and they would do that to buy an air of legitimacy of being like we're not the cia Hmm. would we talk about everybody's favorite color of m&m in this (laughs) massive campaign to choose a new color of m&m would we dare how would the cia possibly be involved in that m&m is a psyop i believe well outside of laundering money through other governmental agencies Agencies, though they were men actually ben you do i can't let this go the P, the man who actually created the term melts in your mouth not in your hand was also responsible for one of the very first times that an advertising campaign got involved in a campaign uh for in a presidential campaign for dwight d eisenhower's campaign and one could say that advertising is what ruined american politics forever which could be wow. a part of an overall control st- wow. structure that the people in charge might Ugh. have put into place so we would no longer have any sort of fucking freedom over our goddamn government ever again. Well, there you go. It's a conspiracy. Branding, breakdown. Branding. I love when dog meets here. I love it when you're here, That was dog meat right there. He came out with fangs. Yeah, man. Fucking M&Ms. You are correct. Well, outside of laundering money through other governmental agencies, there were men who were not only aware of where their money was coming from, but actively assisted the CIA in funding other MKUltra subprojects. One of these men was a neurologist named Harold Wolf. Harold Wolf might as well. Truly, like, his title was that he was an expert in the leading field researcher 
in pain. In uh, in pain. <laughs> in pain. In and trying our, to alleviate. Com- in trying to alleviate pain. This is completely true. Correct. It just in pain. The idea of yes, pain management. That's a part of it. Okay. But it's also the source of pain. Like he is yeah. a he's a he's he's a pain doctor. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're going to get into a lot on this episode is is men who know the source really well. Like they know the negative side of it really well. And they figure that as far as the solution goes, they'll figure that out later. We'll but it, you really yeah. got to figure out the source first. We'll do it in post. <laughs> All right. We'll do it live. Well, Harold Wolf had come into the CIA's orbit when he treated the son of CIA director Alan Dulles, after Dulles's son suffered permanent brain damage from shrapnel during the Korean War. Again, that most likely fueled Alan Dulles's hatred of communism. But as Dulles got to know Wolf, he became aware of a theory dreamed up by Dr. Wolf called human ecology. Basically, Wolf believed that with a combination of drugs and sensory deprivation, one could wipe a mind clean and open it up to programming, which, of course, was one of MKUltra's main goals. But our minds are filled with all these pesky memories. Right, it's difficult. skills that we've learned and all of these things. You accrue personality. You have any idea how many gigs of brain space your personality takes up? So what you really have to do is delete it. You just delete it, and then you got all this other room for activities. Well, it's funny. It's just (laughs) unbelievable to think that this is something, and I believe it's still happening to this day, but it sounds, it reads like a cheesy horror movie. It reminds me of this new movie, Severance, uh, which is out now. Uh, It's just- uh, It's not a paid plug. It's not a paid plug. No. But it's just, it's amazing that this is government-funded which should be in a Hollywood studio, but this is government-funded idiocy, but taken very seriously. And is it idiocy? Anyway, go on. Well, what we're going to get into, Ben, is that it's not necessarily as government funded as you think it is. The CIA found these guys already doing this stuff. They just gave them more money to do more of it. They got a raise. They went pro. Sweet. Sweet. We're going pro. Well, after Dulles found out about all this human ecology stuff, all this mind wiping stuff, he connected Wolf to Sidney Gottlieb, head of MKUltra. And together, they formed a research foundation that would appear to be independent, but would actually be a conduit through which MKUltra money could be funneled directly to physicians, psychologists, chemists, and scientists. Thus, the Society for the Investigation of Human Ecology was founded, with Dr. Wolf as the president and Sidney Gottlieb as secret director. It's also known as the Human Ecology Fund. Yes. Correct, Henry? Absolutely. And this was the legit description in the 1961 directory of the Encyclopedia of Associations. This is what it was called, what they said the, the Human Ecology Fund was for. To stimulate and support studies of man's adaptation to the complex aspects of his environment. Conducts investigations at universities and research centers in such subjects as psychic and physical brain function impairments, Sudden environmental change in the health and attitudes of a large immigrant population, undergraduate adjustments, and ethnopsychiatry, which ends up turning into a whole thing of like, how can we control everybody? Right. So you guys are gonna <laughs> you're gonna put that glass tube in my pee hole, huh? Oh, just to see what it does. Yeah, it hurts, man. Mm. Mm, fascinating. Fascinating. <laughs> wow. So they are hiding in plain sight, but with creative intellectual language. Mm-hmm. So maybe mm-hmm. the layman doesn't understand. They're just saying, we're going to fuck with your brain quite yep. a bit and see how it works. Mm-hmm. Or they just kind of wave it off. Like, oh, I guess that's, that's a part of it. Yeah, whatever. That's a part well, of it. You guys are all dodgy. You guys are all missing the point here. 
That's yeah. the problem. It's just a part of the experiments. Well, Ben, I, I do think you do make somewhat of a point. Like, I think when they say all these words that sound very academic and very, right. you know, and very impressive, I think most people just went, oh. oh. Interesting. It really is <laughs> just like, you pass the yams. <laughs> oh, yeah, hot round right. Yeah, well, uh, them Rams. Go Rams. football team. They are perfect. Well, under Gottlieb's guidance, this organization, the Human Ecology Fund, funded dozens of MKUltra sub-projects, both bizarre and nefarious. In one study, they lured 100 Chinese refugees into an experiment with the false promise of academic fellowships, then tested them to see if they could be reprogrammed to return to China to commit acts of sabotage. And they're all just like, what do you, what do you want? What do you want? Well, guess yeah. we'll come. All of this we'll could be. We'll bring orange chicken there. Sure, yeah, yeah that's oh. what you want to debilitate your entire economy. I mean, all of this could have just been done with corn dogs, man. Yeah. You just got to just be like, do you love America? Like corn dogs and county fairs. That's what brainwashes people to hate where they come from. Well, they, butter. Yeah. Well, All butter related things. Just well, give them butter. Yeah. They're like, I'm never leaving again. That was their version of brainwashing. Uh, ostensibly, uh, the North Korean and Chinese version of it was to do that. Be like, you could live like this, where they show them like a village and like a, a suppliant woman comes out and she just goes, mm -hmm. like, I'll massage you. And like you do like you set up this scenario where like it could be pretty nice to live over mm -hmm. here. But make no mistake. Not every MKUltra subproject was a large-scale undertaking with dozens of subjects being tortured and experimented upon. Other subprojects under the Society for the Investigation of Human Ecology, the Human Ecology Fund, included studies of the mongoloid skull, the effects of owning a fallout shelter on foreign policy views, I and mean, the emotion. It does. It does seem to make you kind of tight-lipped about leaving town. <laughs> Honestly, I grew up with a fallout shelter in my backyard, and it definitely, it fucks with you a little bit. When I was finally told, like, oh, yeah, they built that because the this bomb. house was built during the cold, was built during the Cold War, yeah. and, you know, Abilene is one of the n number one targets for nuclear bombs. Yeah, people build fallout shelters just in case. Like, kind of fucks with you a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, But it was it, also man. the place where my dad would uh, store prickly pears uh, for uh, prickly pear margaritas. So it was a fun little, uh, it was oh. a fun little concrete box. Well, he made nice. the Cold War. More fun. Yes. <laughs> also, if there's any journalists out there listening, uh, when it comes to our new current uh, perhaps conflict, don't give out all their safe spaces. Yeah. Because yeah, I was watching journalists everybody. be like, if the bombs go off, they're going to come right here. Yeah. But maybe you don't want to tell them everybody. <laughs> that. They're going to go to this cathedral right here. So if you want to bomb that too. Right, and also one more uh, small sub project: the emotional impact of circumcision on Turkish boys. They love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is what they found. Is they absolutely <laughs> fucking adored it. Cut more. Cut more. Wow. I just feel like we have so many. What about cancer research? Have we, we gotten oh, to it that? It was about or... causing cancer. Okay. Yeah, actually, it was about causing cancer. There were other projects that were uh, not a part of MK Ultra. They were just a part of uh, American government governmental research where we gave uh, cereal laced with uranium to mentally challenged children. How'd it go? They died. It was a success. Wow, and that's where we <laughs> and that's where we came up with the worst cereal of all time. I'm just gonna say it, Kicks. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Don't yes. like Kicks. Just fucking laced with uranium kicks. since fucking 1987. <laughs> wow. 
But all these small sub-projects, in my opinion, this shows just how scattershot and piecemeal MKUltra really was. And that is part of what makes it so hard to cover and so hard to understand. Because they did not fully have an end game with any bits of any of this research. It really was it was a giant data aggregation front where they were just trying mm-hmm. to get as much data about every single thing that could possibly be attached to a mind wiping, assassinations, the effectiveness of psychotropic drugs, all this type of thing. It was all just kind of seen like throwing spaghetti against a wall and see what sticks. And would you say mm-hmm. that's because of competence or total incompetence? Because the point was to be confusing, right? So was it competent for them to not dot every I and cross every T and Sydney put a period Gottlieb, every sentence. Sidney Gottlieb called the Human Ecology Fund the eyes and ears of MK Ultra. So within that construct, basically MK Ultra itself was supposed to be about soldiers being experimented on and trying to weaponize soldiers into creating like, quote unquote, the Manchurian candidate. Right, and the then super people, soldier. The super soldier, super spies. But the, the rest of this is just about like, we need to feed the beast with more information. Like, so this is really like, they all became guilty by association, some more guilty than others because of what they were already doing when when MKUltra arrived with a checkbook. But the rest of them were like, most of the time working when having no clue that they were working for the CIA and they were just generating kind of like these random ass experiments and just being like, okay, I'll give it to this guy with his briefcase that's right. like code name bullshit. And I guess it must be something from the university. Yeah, codename Blork. I was I was really wishing they weren't going to codename me Blork, but I am codename Blork. I am Blork. Unfortunately. It's also hard to see exactly what the plan was because it's quite possible that the overall plan was in those MK Ultra files that were destroyed. Mm-hmm. There might have been a much better plan than we think, but from sure. what we see now, it seems to be extremely scattershot. Okay. But out of all the scientists who got funding for their insane projects from the Society for the Investigation of Human Ecology... None fueled future conspiracy about MK Ultra more than Dr. Ewan Cameron. Can we get a lightning crash, like a thunder <laughs> crash? Like, we need a horror soundboard for this. Yeah. Cameron was the pioneer of the cruelest and most damaging subproject in all of MK Ultra: psychic driving. Now, in the psychic driving process, subjects were forced to listen to continuously repeating audio messages on a looped tape in the hopes that those messages would somehow alter the patient's behavior. This would be done in conjunction with medically induced sleep therapy and electroshocks, which all together were supposed to cure all manner of mental illnesses, most specifically the oft misdiagnosed schizophrenia. Because again, the idea is to create a green space for other people's ideas to go into, right? That's the MK Ultras. That's their main goal. The brain, mm-hmm. in the green space in the brain. Yes, you're trying to create a little like a belt line. Like people in Atlanta know what I'm talking about. They're trying to create a belt line in your brain that will then allow little shops to spring up. Like one's called like uh, here's how to poison people, and another one's like yeah, how to be right. gay for pay in the Soviet Union. You mean like there's so many different things that you could see on your brain belt line once it's been manufactured. But in order to get there, you just have to destroy all the condos that are there. Uh, that are your memories. So much like Atlanta, the Beltway, that that there are the art installations. Yes. All of the different Mm -hmm. jobs that you might do as a... But Dr. Ewan Cameron understood. We just have to break you... We got to break you down to build you back up. Yeah. 
That's the thing. Is it like just for a little bit about the uh, word schizophrenic? Keep in mind that when we say schizophrenia in this episode, much like in our lobotomy series, we're talking about the mid 20th century diagnosis of schizophrenia. Back then, schizophrenia was a catch all term for everything from bipolar disorder to severe depression to actual schizophrenia. Therefore, it's hard to know whether these experiments we're about to get into were done on actual schizophrenics. Now, ultimately, Dr. Ewan's goal with psychic driving was not to create an MK Ultra agent. Rather, driven by ambition and a need to be recognized, Cameron really wanted to cure schizophrenia and win a Nobel Prize for it, no matter what the cost. He believed that through psychic driving, he could standardize the treatment for schizophrenia to the point where a patient could check in at nine and check out at five with a clean bill of mental health. And much as mm. we when we discussed during our episodes on lobotomies and like the idea of like the rise of lobotomies, again, when you treat the human body, especially the mind, as if it's a flat tire that you can fix, right. a lot of times what it does is completely jack up everything inside of you, everything because the wobbly fucking pow the jelly that's in our brain right. make up every single thing that we know about the universe. Mm -hmm. But as it just so happened, Dr. Ewan's goals dovetailed with the CIA's. Incredibly, Cameron had been performing his experiments for years before the CIA even showed up. Aww. Their starting points, however, had been the same because both believed that their ultimate goals were completely justified. It's like when Macaulay Culkin met the old lady in Home Alone 2. And they yeah. had turtle doves. It's just like that. MK Ultra is doves. a lot like that. It really <laughs> is. It really, it really is. is. Turtle doves. Especially they when they started together. water. When 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 uh, Kevin started waterboarding her. Yeah. Um, yeah with doves. the with the tape of her saying, "My mother didn't love me enough. My yeah, mother didn't yeah, love yeah. me enough. My mother didn't love me enough." That was a wild scene. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But before we get into the specifics of psychic driving, let's get to know the man who created the technique, Doctor Ewan Cameron. Doctor Cameron. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, we need that board. Yeah. Dr. Cameron was born in Scotland in 1901 and grew up insular and moody, obsessed with Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. We have a lot of Scottish goths that listen to this show. I know for a fact that we do. And you really need to think about where you're headed in your fucking life. <laughs> They're doing great. We all have, every one of us has commiserated with Frankenstein's monster at some point. Oh, Haven't we? Felt like an other separate. Ah. Uh, the only problem I had with Scotland was that one bar that had a bunch of carpet on the ground because it was disgusting. Yeah, it was gross. Yeah. That's the thing, Henry, is that you and Cameron was not in identifying with Frankenstein's monster. Mm. He was identifying with Dr. Victor von Frankenstein. Frankenstein! That, that's how you know you're incorrect. You never should, of, should never identify with the doomed doctor. Right. He learned all all the wrong lessons. Instead of taking the obvious lesson of what comes of intellectual hubris and arrogance, yeah. Cameron came to believe that there were no barriers when it came to science. Holy shit, oh I can't God. believe what lightning can do. He literally mm -hmm. is Chevy Chase in Dirty Work, where it's like, you bet on Mr. T to win? Yeah. Like, he just <laughs> did not understand Mary Shelley's Frankenstein at all. I feel bad for Mary no. Shelley if she could just be like, you more, like, it's also like, she catcher. loves the fucking attention. But also it reminds me of uh, <laughs> Catcher in the Rye with Chapman, right? Where it's just like, mm. you got it all wrong, man. Oh, yeah. Please yeah. don't shoot anyone because of a book or do mass experiments because of Frankenstein. Hey, no one's ever done anything because of fucking uh, the Da Vinci Code. I'll tell you what, no, Da Vinci yeah. Code has inspired no murders. No, but maybe they kiss, you look at Tom Hanks and you kiss your wife a little bit. 
That's what people do. I guess. That's fucking weird. I don't like black-haired, long-haired Tom Hanks. I don't, I don't like know. that. I don't know. Well, by the late 30s, Dr. Cameron's imagination was captured by some of the more experimental scientists in the field of mental health, men who would have made Dr. Victor von Frankenstein proud. At the University Hospital for Nervous Diseases in Rome, Cameron observed Umberto Castelli in some of the first experiments in electroshock treatment. Castelli was unable to explain how or why electroshock therapy worked, but he was confident that it worked all the same. I mean, you have an idea yeah. how unbelievably difficult it is to electroshock somebody through all of that hair product. It's a lot. <laughs> Italy, it's like their their brains are immune to microwaves. It, it really is mm -hmm. possible. Also, what was it? The University of what? The University Hospital for Nervous Diseases. Did they all look like Woody Allen? <laughs> um, no, I, I literally okay. just see a bunch of future <laughs> comedians. I put the uh, emphasis on the wrong word. It's more University Hospital for Nervous Diseases, nervous not diseases. Nervous Diseases. All right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, in addition to electroshock, Costelli also strapped patients to chairs so he could spin them around at incredibly high speeds until they passed out. And in this, you really see the willingness to try anything, no matter how stupid, in the men who served as Dr. Ewan Cameron's inspiration. Because they felt like, you know, because the idea is that we'll see what yeah. it does. There, there is a there's a part of me that understand, like lo loves the imagination. That's like, yeah, man, spin them around. <laughs> yeah, I mean, course. we got funding. Just fucking do it. But then it's just hard because people are in there. Right. You know what I mean? Like people are experiencing these things and then all you do is make them yeah. super confused. And then it's like afterwards you're like, so we've learned nothing. Yeah. And you're yeah. destroyed. And then it's a guy just going like, I saw a wish we could have learned like a single, Aww. like a single, single thing. Yeah. Like, like it could have been worth something in there. Like, it yeah, been. unfortunately, no, you're just going to have to deal with yeah. the drama. Here's a, here's some orange juice and a right. cookie. Also, here's 50 cents off your next coffee at McDonald's. Um, yeah, it would. it's not an episode of Schoolhouse Rock, is it? No, no. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Cameron was also a follower of Dr. Egas Moniz, pioneer of the lobotomy. We talked about yeah. him so fucking much in our lobotomy episode. You want to know more about him? Go listen to that series. But in other words, Dr. Cameron was not concerned in the least with the consequences of human experimentation, just so long as they could be justified with results of a sort. Now, even though Cameron sounds like a crank, he was actually highly respected in the field of mental health. He served as the head of multiple psychiatric organizations, including president of the American Psychiatric Association and president of the Canadian Psychiatric Association. America, wow. the early 50s, Canada, late 50s. This is all during this psychic driving shit. Holy yes, hell. and if you listen to his, the people that were the... the the people that were researchers during the same time, like the people that were all doing the same shit all around, and the way they bend over backwards to validate what they were all doing for so long. Like I was reading the, I was watching that fifth estate documentary. That was like the first time all of this shit had been revealed. And it's just all like, it's just guys with like weird Canadian ascots going like, well, you know, if there wasn't a reason for it, we would not have done it. And yeah. you're like, all right, Canadian. <laughs> you don't know, you come over here. You think you guys got things pretty special down there, but I'll show you how to drive. What you want to be doing when you're psychically driving? <laughs> oh my God, I'm this podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough. 
But Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders. I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. And it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. Hi. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs, and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt, and I love planting things myself. And fast-growing trees 
has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, it's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. And I didn't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Well, before being president of all those associations, though, Cameron had been one of the several psychiatrists asked to attend the Nuremberg trials to analyze Rudolf Hess in 1945, after Hess fled to the Allies to to negotiate a peace treaty behind Hitler's back. Now, for some reason, studying the psychology of Nazis opened a new area of thought to Dr. Cameron. For one, he believed that every German over the age of 12 needed to be electroshocked to, quote, (laughs) burn out any remaining vestige of Nazism. I think we missed the point. That'll do it. No, (laughs) electroshock. That'll do it. But his main takeaway was that he began to believe that mental illness was an ailment that could be treated like a broken bone, a one and done deal. And his theories from then on were mostly based on this hunch. Because remember, it's a hunch, and that's all. Now, by the time World War II ended, Dr. Cameron climbed the ranks of the psychiatric profession to become head psychiatrist at the Allen Memorial Institute at McGill University in Montreal, which was funded, of course, by the Rockefeller Foundation. At least in part. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. We'll talk about it a bit. I don't know. I don't know. Well, specifically, Cameron's Institute, where all of the psychic driving experiments were performed, was set up in a creepy old mansion called Ravenscrag. <laughs> which <Jesus>. again, <laughs> it gives a little bit of that Resident Evil vibe. I'm starting to think that MK Ultra is just the fucking Umbrella Corporation with creepy ass mansions all over the world. More lightning strikes. More lightning strikes. <laughs> the cloud cover. You can see it all. This is or you can just see the old car pulling up to the front gate. Like oh, nothing bad could happen in there. But it's about set and setting. Oh. Yeah. Now, at that time, talk therapy was considered to be the future of psychiatry. But as we know, talk therapy is a time-consuming process, sometimes taking years to see any sort of meaningful breakthrough, although it is absolutely worth it. It just takes a really long fucking time. But for Cameron, the slow pace of talk therapy was unacceptable. <laughs> Remember, Cameron was Ugh. after a streamlined, one-size-fits-all mental health cure. Like a kilt! <laughs> well, you know, I mean, so, it's all you need. You're not naked anymore. You do it for your mind. Well, that's the he ridiculous. He was an extremely quiet, soft-spoken man. He was you not a screaming Scott. <laughs> Look at <laughs> I knew this was coming. I knew this was coming. I'm cutting it off now. Not wow. a screaming, insane Scotsman. Wow. I knew it was coming. He well, really sounds like a screaming, intense Scotsman to me. You got to get <laughs> like a cat. So basically, <laughs> this is the medi- yeah. this is the medical equivalent of when you order a shirt and they're like one size fits all, and then you get it and be like, doesn't fit me. Yeah, because they're always extra largest, so it's always too big or too small. It's like the scorpion mm-hmm. costume I bought from Halloween Town. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it is like oh, that fits you pretty well. So, in the pursuit of this one size fits all medical cure, 
Dr. Cameron began experimenting on patients at Ravenscrag to find a process to mentally stun them out of their afflictions. Like, <sighs> for example, popping a dislocated shoulder back into the socket with a swift tug. Yeah, we'll handle it here for you. Okay, you've been crying about being, oh, you've been sexually assaulted, eh? Well, let's just get it. Let's just pop it back in. That didn't help. Let's just pop it back in. Here this is go. horrible. You need a chiropractor. Oh, my God. <laughs> When his early experiments, Cameron placed naked schizophrenics under a red light for eight hours a day for eight months. What the fuck? Well, this was based on the discovery that red light promoted growth in plants and lab rats. So he thought maybe could work for schizophrenics. It also cooks rotisserie chicken. What are we trying to do here? <laughs> I just remember the episode of Seinfeld with Kramer. I and know. Sunburn. <laughs> Very funny. None of them did well in that. Fourteen patients were subjected to these experiments, with results that were, at best, inconsistent. Moving on, Cameron tried another experiment in which patients were placed into an electric cage and overheated until their body temperature reached 102 degrees. Yeah, what happened then? Deemed inconsistent. Yeah, okay, man. that's just great. Some people liked it. Some people like, oh, this is like Florida. And then some people were like, this is like Florida. Lord, I'm more of a snowbird. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Eventually, though, Cameron began experimenting with electroshock combined with what amounted to medically induced near comas, mm. which led to the discovery of a process called de-patterning. Depatterning is one of the okay. most. This is also why, when the next episode, we will get to what the whatever it is, whatever Project Monarch is, whether it is real or whether it is fake. This is the shit that allowed all of that to grow. Okay, like the mm -hmm. idea of destroying your personality is real. Yeah. Now, depatterning was a classic case of throwing out the baby with the bathwater. It wiped a patient's mind clear of not only mental illness but also everything else that made them a human. Then, theoretically, the patient's psyche could be reshaped into a healthy mind with a process called repatterning. Cute! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But since you can't repattern a mind until you depattern a mind, Cameron got to work on the former first without any idea of how the latter could be achieved. Hey, man, if you don't have a pie tray... How are you supposed to make apple pie for Thanksgiving, Marcus? I guess, man. I mean, basically, Cameron's process was akin to someone deleting Windows from a computer, then trying to rewrite Windows from scratch without any knowledge of coding, nor any understanding of how a computer actually works. Now, depatterning was a three-stage process. The first was memory loss, but with an awareness from the patient as to why they were in the hospital. So... They couldn't remember the last couple of days, but they remembered why they were there. The okay. second was a complete loss of what Cameron called space-time image. Space-time image. Jeez. Yeah, he had a whole he had a whole set of fucking uh, jargon terms uh, mm -hmm. that he made up himself. In the loss of space-time image, a patient didn't know who they were, where they were. Or why they were there. And they did that by uh, blindfolding you, literally taping ping pong balls to your eyeballs. Uh -huh. They would, they'd say, limit your ability to communicate, which means put a gag in your mouth. They would tie you to a bed. They would shut off all the lights and shit. And they would sit there and wait for you to not know who you were anymore. Hmm. Finally, the patient would achieve a loss of their anxieties that also came with complete amnesia. That's the throwing out of the baby with the bathwater. And thus, the patient could be repatterned. But Cameron, of course, never came close to figuring that part out. 
Now, the most famous example of de-patterning came from a woman named Lauren G. Lauren G. had been referred to Dr. Cameron by her family doctor because her life was in shambles, and she'd suffered a mental breakdown after suffering from sustained insomnia combined with an eating disorder. So, Dr. Cameron put Lauren G. on a drug cocktail of Thorazine, Nimbutol, Secanol, Veronol, and Finergan for 30 oh days, goodness. making sure that she was almost constantly unconscious. She was unconscious. So, so she was fucking asleep am I, for am 30 I, days. Am I wrong to get comparisons to our exorcism series where science is a new religion and they're like, well, exorcisms are ridiculous. I don't think... Let's send her to, let's send her <laughs> to Ravencroft. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> think you're incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> but when Lauren wasn't unconscious, Dr. Cameron was waking her up from a near coma to be electroshocked oh. in the midst of a confused, medicated haze. Now, commonly, electroshock was done at 110 volts for a fraction of a second, once every other day. But in Dr. Cameron's depatterning process, he cranked the voltage up to 150, shocked his patient's five to ten times for a full second each time every session and did two to three sessions a day. Oh, and this man. was also like what he also pioneered was putting a little like turkey thermometer inside of their belly. So when you hit him with a proper amount of volts, it pops up really? to show that they're done. <laughs> Is that true? No, 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 no. Oh. But you can see, this is where we're at. See, I, yeah, this is where Project oh, Monarch could, comes from. You could tell me anything right now yes. and be like, what? This is what I'm saying. It doesn't, I mean, you never, yeah, he's like, oh, it sounds like he's like in spinal tap, like turn it to 11, yes. but it's not music. Yeah. And he's torturing yeah. this boy. you see what's going to happen? Oh, man. Now, after a month of this, Lauren G. found that her anxiety had indeed receded. Oh, yeah, she wasn't anxious anymore. Really? No. <laughs> yeah. But. What else had receded was everything that made her a person, yeah. oh, meaning man. that Cameron had achieved full depatterning at the cost of Lauren's personality. She had to be retaught how to use the bathroom. She had to be retaught oh, how man. to walk. She had to re to be. She had to be retaught how to communicate. She says in this very harrowing interview I saw with her, she talks about how like she opens up a family book and she's like. I know these are my kids because someone has told me that these are my kids. But she doesn't know I don't it. remember their birth. I don't remember oh. any of these memories. Like, she going through stuff. like, just fucking Dana Carvey'd her from Clean, Clean Slate. Clean Slate, yeah. Clean Slate, yeah. I got it, baby. And with this, we bring ourselves back to the goals of MK Ultra. We're back! Whoa, <laughs> great. <laughs> now, this wiping of a personality was exactly what the CIA was looking for, because it was the next step towards creating agents that could carry out missions without any knowledge of what that mission was. Hmm. And what this story here is, is a direct example, because in the, uh, in our series for MK Ultra, right, the last couple episodes, we've just been trying to show examples, much like the way that John Marks book did, and the Poisoner in Chief book did, right? Sydney Gottlieb, yeah. Yeah, we're just showing examples of like, this is what we quote unquote know about MKUltra, yeah. these scenarios where this is how the mechanism works. Okay. Which is now that MKUltra is, is, is active and moving, it's that they are going to bring Dr. Yu and Cameron under the fold of the Human Ecology Fund so that they can use whatever the fuck it is that he's already been doing as a hobby and, for yeah. the US government. <laughs> And what they can do is they can take the research that he's done and they can direct it in the ways that they want are to use useful it. to them. Is yeah. the theory to make someone to wipe a brain so they could be the best operative uh, possible? Is it like Johnny Depp in the movie Blowers? Like when you're carrying five gallons of cocaine through the airport, you have to pretend like you're not right. That's the idea. Is of course. that the basic mm -hmm. idea? Where it's like tennis. if they don't. 
if they are too ignorant to understand how severe the consequences are for what they're doing are, they'll do it. Oh, yeah. Partly. Oh, yeah. yeah uh, partly. Okay. And another part of this is that they could use it to erase memories of missions undertaken at the CIA's behest. Okay. Because from what Henry was telling me, the CIA had and still has a bit of a retirement problem on their hands. Oh, you can't retire these guys. You can't retire them. What do you mean? They go on MSNBC every day. Uh, they are <laughs> continuing to be CIA officers. What? No, There's, no Henry, it's his ex-CIA. They are ex. never retired <laughs> because guess what? If they're retired, and I believe this, if they are actually retired, they're not talking to you. They're no. not talking to yeah. a camera. They're not anywhere talking about this shit. Most of them die in obscurity. Like now, I, you know how many emails I've gotten from people who talk about their grandparents or somebody being involved in this type of shit? The real guys don't talk about it. The ones no. that are talking about it are still what are you on some level, about? shape, grand- or form employed by the CIA. What are you talking about? My grandpa didn't talk about it at all. Oh, oh, son of a bitch. No, no, no God damn no. it. You did it again. Now, it's difficult to pin down exactly when the CIA became aware of Dr. Cameron's work. Cameron's depatterning experiments began in the early 50s, but Cameron did not accept any MKUltra funding until 1957. Hmm. Cameron had, however, run in CIA circles since World War II. And in fact, one agent remembered that Cameron was one of the few non-CIA men who attended CIA parties. I hmm. just like the little cocktail hot dogs. Yeah, those are <laughs> like, Oh yeah, little weenies. <laughs> We also know that the CIA laundered money through other organizations. And as we said, the Rockefeller Foundation funded Cameron's Institute from the start. Extrapolating from this, it's hard to say that it's merely a coincidence that Cameron just happened to be doing work that lined up perfectly with what the CIA was hoping to accomplish with MKUltra. Coincidence! (laughs) But if we look at the human element here, It could very well be that because Dr. Cameron and the CIA hung out together socially, these parallel ideas might have come from simple shop talk at parties. And that is the mechanism of what conspiracy theorists could call the quote-unquote secret government, right? The idea of an entire covert government that does things underneath the auspices of the United States, quote unquote, government, right? The idea of like what they would do and that all of these decisions are made something like, you know, we want to get into Bohemian Grove where it's just a big gay, everybody sucks each other's dicks party, right? Like that's really what it is. But while you're sucking Richard Nixon's fucking cock and balls. Well, now, why do we have to do it like this? Why saying, do you say it like that? While we're all hanging out and They're doing what we do. Out, yeah. But you are going to make fundamental decisions about things that these various organizations do. Yeah. But you're doing it off the record. You're I think, doing it outside of the buildings where you'd have your conversations recorded. Where you'd have to put them in the various the, minutes of the, the various places you work within the government. The two words that are said the most at these parties follow some of the most nefarious conversations of all time are more punch yeah like seriously What's more punch? Yeah. You want it's literally like yeah we're going to invade we're just gonna have an invasion in cambodia more punch more punch i mean it's not even necessarily people making decisions it's so what are you working on yeah, and exactly it follows from there you know it's oh, yeah. like, i mean hell this this fucking show came from conversations at parties that's so yes. many things come from like drunken conversations and then you fucking wake up the next day, barely remember what you talked about, but still have that little inkling of an idea in your head that you fucking run with. That's so. why you guys seem to leave your houses more because you never know what comes out of just hanging out. And you, <laughs> oh, can, you have to hang it out. It might just be MK Ultra, but it might be an improv group. It could be. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> in which case, get out of it. Get out of it. Now, I'm then, no, improv's a tool. It is a good tool. Hmm. We use I it every day. I'm using it right now. Now, when Alan Dulles of the CIA and Sidney Gottlieb, head of MKUltra, when they learned that Cameron's experiments were bearing fruit, they gave him funding through the Society for the Investigation of Human Ecology and put him in charge of MKUltra Subproject 68 in 1957. Did that make sense? Was that clear? Yeah, yes. absolutely. I mean, if you want to look okay. at money funneling, <laughs> if you want to look at money funneling, look at the NRA, for example. They are a classic money laundering organization. It happens totally. all the time. The but Lincoln Project. There's a lot of stuff out there that is anything where it's like I'm giving you money, but then I don't see anything tangible. All of that's called money laundering. It was think tanks. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a think yeah. tank. Yeah. Mm hmm. Now, as I said earlier, Dr. Cameron had already been doing these experiments for years by the time the CIA showed up. And what the CIA wanted from Dr. Cameron was for Dr. Cameron to do all of his experiments all over again. But this time for the CIA. Reboot. Oh, my God. What, we're on season two? We're on season two. No, no. This is a reimagining as uh -huh. if the first season didn't happen. So this is the female yeah. Ghostbusters. It's a requel. Okay, great. Yeah. Awesome. And it's just as infamous. It is. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> well, mostly these experiments for the CIA focused on psychic driving, which was developed four years before the CIA came on board. So let's go back to 1953 <laughs> and cover the evolution of psychic driving before Dr. Cameron even heard the words MK Ultra. So everyone, we're all, all on board. We're right here. We're in 1953. Dr. Cameron's not working for the CIA. He's just a man that's trying to find a cure for schizophrenia and doesn't care how many people he has to kill to get it. And as we describe mm. psychic driving and what he does, these, these, these actual processes are the actual processes that will be lifted and used by the U.S. government in order to, which I am now, I am kind of swung to the other side, to actually hypnotize people to do various shit. And, and it just kind of depends on the severity. I do not believe that it is possible in any way whatsoever. I, I, we will both go on record. We, we are. That's our belief system. I'm just now. I am. Huh. Huh. Point. Yeah, because point, you've been reading that, that, that crazy fucking Fritz Havemeyer book Fritz for the Greenmeyer, last. Fucking, don't you do? He'll come for us. <laughs> Mom, Dad. I just can I. We have been in no, life for an got, hour and a half. This is the problem too. Is I got these emails like from people that are professional hypnotists too, and they're the way that they kind of talk about it. Because we'll, 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 I'm going to bring yeah, it back. The way they up. talk about it is because they need around. job security. Of they course, have to say I know. Big yeah. hypnotism is huge out there. It's Yeah, yeah. Look at you. How easily you flip. Going from never trust a magician to. Well, I, got all these, I got all these emails from all these professional hypnotists that really sound like they're on the ball. And this I guy, feel like I am losing my mind. And he made such a compelling case. I gave him $10,000. Henry, you were scammed, man. No. All right. I ain't no flopper. Because that's what they call them. Guys, they're easily hypnotized. Is that right? 1953. Now, the seeds for the psychic driving concept were planted when Cameron was in the middle of a talk therapy session with a young woman who was recounting a traumatic sexual relationship that she'd had with her father. Fascinating. Oh, God. <laughs> See, Cameron liked to tape sessions for posterity. But Ugh. during this session, his patient said something that was highly traumatizing to the patient, but fascinating to Cameron. So Cameron rewound the tape and replayed it for the young woman. Fucker. Then he did it again. Asshole. 
and again, and again, until finally the patient fled the session in distress. What is more difficult than hearing your own voice for the first time? And then especially in this scenario? He actually addresses Mm -hmm. that in his paper. He said that's actually the most traumatic thing for most people is to hear their voices played. And because it's an alienness of we don't, you don't ever hear your voice the way other people hear your voice. So it's like you actually finally hear yourself talking to yourself. Absolutely. Mm Mm-hmm. But instead of realizing that he'd done something wrong, Cameron decided that he'd discovered something worth pursuing here. He thought that since the patient reacted to the playback so viscerally, then whatever she'd reacted to should be exactly what he should focus on. I don't know. Basically, this realization linked with his theory that mental illness could be treated like a broken bone. In effect, the traumatizing statement was the broken bone. And if he could heal these deep-seated emotional wounds with a kind of psychic surgery, then he could conceivably cure their mental illness. Bada bing, bada boom. Bada boom, bada boom. The guy comes over here and <laughs> said no more wants to give him yeah. all my mental spaghetti. You know, maybe charging, maybe charging her father with rape would have helped. No, uh, to get that man oh. incarcerated no. or something like that. Because, um, and that's where Doctor Her, you and Cameron, accidentally stumbles into Scientology, Wait, which what? is an entire science, a whole wing of Scientology, wow. which is the idea is that you numb yourself to the trauma, that you just say mm-hmm. the trauma again and again and again, because that is what uh, when you guys are supposed when you go do um callus. Your when e-meters? you go do e-meters, oh, when you go to do all of your fucking your sessions, it's all about you no longer having a, an emotional reaction to you saying something traumatizing. And you know who else did it? Keith Raniere. He's also yeah. the same thing that he did with their test sessions. Mm-hmm. Also, you're allowed to have emotional reactions to trauma. It's a part of grief. No! And coping with it. No! <laughs> I will not. I built a strong wall. Yeah, but there's not. No, it's okay, too. We're all suffering. Seems resistant. (laughs) Fascinating. Well, as it was, Cameron was about to develop nothing more than a technological lobotomy, removing personality with sustained torture in lieu of cutting out the cerebral cortex with a scalpel. And like lobotomy, he needed a catchy name to sell the procedure, and he settled on psychic driving. Now, a simple form of psychic driving was first used on a manic depressive woman in June of 1953. Cameron conducted and recorded an initial interview, then edited the recording to find key phrases that could be played back to maximize disturbance in the patient. Get the gun. Shoot, shoot, shoot. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Fucking Ozzy did it. The point, Cameron figured was to desensitize the patient to her own trauma, which would cause her to lower her defenses and allow the doctors to identify and reorganize her neuroses. So after editing the initial interview, Cameron rejoined the woman and played back her own traumatizing recollections, mostly involving her mother, over and over oh and God. over again. nightmare. <laughs> On the 11th playthrough, she cried out that she hated the process, which to Cameron was a revelation. He made the assumption that because the patient resisted, he was moving in the right direction. By the 19th playthrough, the patient was crying and trembling, saying that she hated the sound of her own voice. By the 30th, she was hyperventilating, moaning that she hated her mother. At 35, she simply started shouting, I hate! I hate! Jeez. Over and over again. At 38, she begged Cameron to stop and finally at 45 playthroughs she was reduced to a whimpering mess and with this Cameron wrote in his notes 
he had successfully penetrated the woman's defense system. What are he, we doing here? And in his, and in his <laughs> notes, he would always, next to her name, he'd write TFU, which was his scientific, his scientific adjudication that she was totally fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> like well, so, well that's kind of what he said like oh in, the, in his paper he said that the what he thought that like, he did have an idea of like quote-unquote repatterning of what he thought would happen with this specific branch of psychic driving is that he but thought he didn't build like, her back up at well, all well he thought that basically we start like this and then you start to come around okay. like what we'll do is truly make you numb to it and that eventually you won't feel it and that the reason why some people are hyper resistant is the various reasons all of his other bullshit basically calling them weak saying that like yeah. they couldn't handle it or they weren't ready and so that's why he needed to add other things to rope-a-dope your personality to get it ready to be uh, less resistant and okay. that's when mm -hmm. we start the torture Yeah, that's when we start the torture I feel like we've we're kind of this right now, torture this is right just now. fucking being tortured by your own podcast. Yeah, right now. <laughs> the only problem was that Cameron felt that he needed to go further with constant repetition over sustained periods of time, days and weeks, months and years. But that wasn't feasible in a hospital setting. In addition, sitting in a room himself and playing a tape over and over again got him no closer to the streamlined mental health process that he was after. But he did discover a solution, and it came in the form of the Cerebrophone. Oh Cerebrophone? It's always when it has a good name. That's how you know it's a bad instrument. <laughs> Is it an instrument? Yep. The Cerebrophone was a device consisting of a speaker that could be placed inside a pillow connected to a tape containing foreign language lessons. Well, supposedly, you could listen to this tape night after night while you slept. And eventually, you just wake up one day knowing Spanish. Learn while you sleep. One of the most nefarious uses of the Cerebrophone was when you 2 put their album on it without oh, telling anybody. God. And then they made us all listen to it. Oh, my God. It reminds me of Garfield when he taped all the books to himself and he said, I'm learning through osmosis. Yes, I remember that bumper sticker. <laughs> now, this was a really stupid idea that didn't yeah. work at all. Right, yes. right, right. But right. the technology of replaying a tape through a speaker in a pillow opened up new worlds for Dr. Cameron because that meant that he could play messages for his patients on a constant loop as much as he wanted without anyone being present. This it's, is great. I get to be like Jim Jones. Also, what you could do is put someone to sleepy time for a very long time and put that little speaker right under their head while they're doing sleepy time. And so eventually, as they've been asleep for a month, they'll start. you'll put thoughts into their head while they're asleep. Mm-hmm. Now, Cameron needed a lot of help in setting up these experiments, so he hired an Englishman with a Cockney accent and no formal medical training named Leonard Rubinstein to essentially be Igor to Cameron's Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah, really? Someone's got to be. He's I a job creator. I suppose. Mm -hmm. Tall and thin, Rubinstein wore a lab coat and walked around Ravenscrag delivering one-liners and an impression of Groucho Marx as he sidled past heavily sedated patients pissing themselves in the hallways. Hey, how you doing there? I wouldn't yeah. belong to any club that would have me as a member. I see you pissing yourself. <laughs> oh, that's kind of fun. Oh, let, me, let me taste it. Oh, it's an apple juice. I don't need bits. I don't need a Patch Adams 
in this. <laughs> well, why not? A bit of a synchronicity there. For I watched Duck Soup for the first time yesterday. Really? A classic satire of government and war. So check out Duck Soup if you haven't seen it. What yeah. a good plug for an ancient <laughs> film. Yeah. yeah. It was made before World War II. Well, eventually, Cameron's Igor got his own Igor in the form of a <laughs> Polish-born engineer with no medical qualifications named Jan Zelinsky. It's we- Jan! We are going down the Russian. <laughs> fucking yacht. We are going down the Russian doll of Igor's. So now each yeah. Igor is going to get more Igor. Than- yep. Yeah, it's a task rabbit. That's yeah. what he is. He's Aww. a task rabbit. Well, in a way, Zelensky was the creepiest one of all. He rarely spoke, and he peered at patients with huge owlish eyes. Just having Balkan muttering. As you're sitting oh, here, like scary. wondering whether or not you're you're fucking not schizophrenic anymore. I mean, like, mm-hmm. duh. I was pretty mad about the Marlins losing last week, and all of a sudden, you know, I've been lobotomized. All of a sudden, I'm here. I'm being driven everywhere, which is kind of fun. I mean, it sounds like oh, you have a you have a fear of jump scares, huh? We're gonna put you right here in this haunted house. Seriously, it and- sounds like this place would make you insane if you went in without any medical issues whatsoever. Yeah, Jan Zelinsky just sounds like fucking riffraff. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is that the people that went in, like like I said uh, before, like when I say schizophrenic, I'm going by the tw- mid 20th century diagnosis, meaning that a lot of these people were in there just because they were going through a bout of depression or because right. they were anxious or because they were bipolar. Postpartum depression is a big one. Like that Postpartum type of depression is a huge one. Yeah. Now, once Cameron began fiddling with the psychic driving process, he found that he got better results if the messages played to the patients on a constant loop were custom made and recorded by Cameron himself. Cameo! (laughs) (laughs) Now, these messages were targeted, and each one was recorded with a specific goal in mind. The first set of messages played to the patients were known as negative psychic driving sessions, in which the patient would be tortured by their own neuroses. Oh, man. This is an example of one of those messages recorded by Dr. Cameron for a patient named Madeline. Madeline, you let your mother and father treat you as a child all throughout your single life. You let your mother check you up sexually after every date you had with a boy. You haven't had enough determination to tell her to stop it. You never stood up for yourself, against your mother or father, but would run away from trouble. They used to call you Crying Madeline. Now that you have two children, you don't seem to be able to manage them and keep a good relationship with your husband. You're drifting apart. You don't go out together. You have not been able to keep him interested sexually. Is this from Cosmo? I don't know, man. It's I hate this over. new I hate this new season of cereal. It's just yeah. begins to feel like you are it's just you're being gaslit by commercials. Over and over and over again. That same message over and over and over again. Weeks, months. But while many of the messages were long and specific, some were short and more general, but no less maddening. One said, You are an angry person. You are angry at the doctors. You are angry at the nurses. Why are you so angry? Is it because you hate your mother? No, no it's because I fucking hate you, man. <laughs> Get me out of here, dude. Get me out of here. Get me out of here. Guess, I want a mod stick right now. Give me a mod stick right now. to be resisting. Oh. 
<laughs> but how brilliant is that? Because what? it asks that, because it turns it around. Because of course these people are extremely angry at the doctors. They're extremely angry about the nurses. But what they're doing is they're fucking with your reality. They're yeah, showing just, you that it's not you're not angry at them. You're angry at your mother. It's turning it inward again and again and again. Comedy. It's, it's torture. just comedy. It's just you just you just flip the thing at the end. It's just comedy. It's very simple. Yeah. <laughs> And naturally, the patients didn't want to listen to these messages over and over again because it was, in effect, torture. Therefore, they made every effort to avoid them. But Cameron had a particularly cruel method to get around this avoidance. He developed a football helmet with speakers wired into the ears, which would be locked onto the patient's heads, so they had no choice but to listen to Cameron's messages day in, day out. Somebody's getting the talking hat. Oh, I don't want the talking <laughs> hat anymore. This is horrible. I'm not Aaron Rodgers. I'm not a football player. This is awful. Actually, that's where he got the idea. He got football. the idea from coach. Yay. He got the idea from football from coaches giving uh, plays to uh, to quarterbacks. He's like, oh, that's perfect. Quite, yeah, not quite in the earphones yet, but yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. Cameron also discovered that the, if the recordings were modified to sound like bad radio reception with varying pitch, tone, and volume, the patients would involuntarily listen more attentively. Literally Resident Evil. Oh my God. Shit. It's patterning. <laughs> it's, it's weird, man, right? Like, it's, it's exactly what they, I mean, they've done this on purpose. Of course, yeah. man. The only thing that would be cool if you actually got, like, Bill Cooper or some cool AM radio stations and you could, like, rock out to that. Some of those people might have done VO for the Maybe. MK Ultra. Not no. Who knows? Yeah. Now, when the patient's sedation wore off while they were wearing these helmets, they would often bang their heads against the walls to try to break the helmets off, but to no avail. In response, Cameron would put these rowdier patients into drug-induced comas where the helmet would be left on playing messages endlessly oh for up to a month. God, that is horrifying. You are an angry person. Yeah, you're you yeah. are angry at the doctors. <laughs> <Yeah>. You are <laughs> angry yeah. at the nurses. Why are you so angry? Is it because you hate your mother? Oh my God! Again, you're an angry person. You're angry at the doctors. You're angry at the nurses. Why are you so angry? Is it because you hate, you hate your, your mother? mother? I don't even remember who she is anymore. <laughs> <laughs> But after Cameron decided that the patient had enough of the negative psychic driving, the tapes were switched to positive psychic driving, which would go on from anywhere between two and five weeks. Here's an example of a positive one, which I think tellingly is a lot shorter than the negative one. Oh, yeah. You mean to get well. To do this, <laughs> you must let your feelings come out. You know, it is all right to express your anger. You want to stop your mother bossing you around. Begin to assert yourself first in little things. And soon you will be able to meet her on an equal basis. What if I just choke you to death? You will be free to be a wife and mother. Oh, God, I'm just like other women. I'm going, I don't know which one I hate more. Yeah, it's I don't know. Just like you know other women. And ben, I knew that would be your reaction too. Yeah. I didn't I knew that you would you would find them both equally distasteful. Yes, because the thing about the mean one is at the very least you can be like no like fuck you and then this I don't it's just, <laughs> ah, I want to strangle strangle both. You have an opportunity to be a wife and a yep. baby factory. Yeah, you're going to fucking sell me a timeshare <laughs> as well. Now, while psychic driving was the stuff of nightmares and nothing to be proud of, Cameron promoted psychic driving in Canadian publications like Weekend Magazine, referring to the technique as beneficial brainwashing. Like I said, all this is out in the open. 
Oh, and you're going to want to read that over the weekend. Uh, you're going to want That's not during the weekday. That's a the weekday. The weekday is for the stock market. <laughs> now, as far as where psychic driving occurred in Raven's Crag Mansion, most of it happened in a dormitory of 20 beds kept in semi-darkness, terrifyingly called the sleep room. Man, can we just call it like fun time big room? Just something <laughs> that can, I think that's worse. Like you don't like the positive messaging. If you called it like yeah, but, like Bongo's Fun Hut and that's where they psychically <laughs> destroyed you. I mean, you know, something that I could laugh with or add or something. Each morning, nurses would enter the sleep room to dispense hundreds of pills and inject hundreds of syringes into patients, most of them strapped with psychic driving football helmets. Oh, man. Some had their helmets removed for bouts of electroshock, while others simply took it lying in their beds as their psychic driving tape repeated itself from a speaker inside their pillow. After that, the sleep room became a gallery of shuffling zombies wearing football helmets, all of them oblivious to anything except what played through their speakers. You go, you want the water? You want some gum? You crazy yet? You remember everything? Oh, we need to keep you in the helmet a little bit longer. Well, yeah, you're right, but you're some Skittles. Mm -hmm. With any luck, they'll learn how to be a wide receiver or an offensive lineman. <laughs> if only. Yeah, did they even practice football? Probably. It's Canada. It's Canada. I think at the oh, time yeah. they were no, they doing. This is before the CFL, right? Yeah, way before yeah. the big field kind of. Sometimes patients would be taken out of the sleep room and placed in the isolation chamber. Oh, this. Now, yeah, this was a padded prison cell, the classic rubber room, <sighs> built to quote remove the patient from their distressing surroundings. Yeah, like chairs. I'm so distressed <laughs> by having a table. <laughs> A toilet. Like, it's just so distressing to me to have a way to leave. Mm -hmm. See, Cameron believed that sometimes mental illness was caused by disharmony between a patient and their environment. So he would place patients in the isolation chamber for weeks, months, oh sometimes God. years, all while recordings, sometimes of their own voices, were played back at them. And we will see how this directly influenced things like the Q-Bark interrogation manual for the CIA. And understanding that the first thing you got to do is strip a POW of any single thing that would remind them of who they are as a person. So you have to mm -hmm. strip them down. You got to shave their head. You have to fucking hit them with the hose. And you got to put them in a room with no stimulus because eventually they begin to unmoor in a way that allows you to manipulate them more easily. Now, as far as who was in charge of the sleep room, that task was left to Cameron's Igors, Leonard Rubinstein and Jan Zielinski. They came in and out of the room at all hours to change tapes or put helmets on uncooperative patients. But neither man had any grasp on what it was they were actually doing. Rubenstein was said to walk in and hit on the nurses in the sleep room amidst a torrent of awful jokes and bad impressions punctuated with self-amused laughter. <laughs> That's a nice butt. It'd be a shame if something happened to it. That's not even... Deborah. That's not even a joke. <laughs> Come on. Well, he's making content. He is he's making co and, content. And oh. he's doing... And remember, he's got a Cockney accent as well. And he's very loud and, yep. ve and laughs really hard at all of his jokes. Funny so, guy. This is just the 1950s, so all of the parents of these people are just like, well, Barbara's getting her help at the hospital. Oh, yes, very much so. Meanwhile, just cut to Barbara wearing a freaking football helmet and screamed at by a, a hacky Hugo, uh, by a hacky uh, Marx brother. Because she just probably expressed dissatisfaction with being a wife and a mother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Zelensky, meanwhile, almost never spoke and just walked into the room to observe everything like, as one of the nurses put it, a barn owl. That's a lot. Now, after Dr. Cameron began to receive MK Ultra funding in 1957, his work with psychic driving began to reflect the goals of the CIA more and more because he was then doing experiments at their request. Specifically, the CIA supplied Dr. Cameron with LSD, and Cameron began adding unsupervised acid trips to the psychic driving torture. No, no, well, no. If you research anything into what's called crypto hypnotism, right? Like this idea that, that like that Matt Damon uh, commercial. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you got, got him. him. I got you him. You got him. There we you go. Got I'm, back. Him. I'm back. But the idea of like this is really where the the twain come together because <sighs> what they have discovered is that what you can do is make someone highly susceptible to any form of hypnotic messaging by dosing them without their knowledge with a psychedelic. Like it really helps them to dissociate from who they are as a human being, especially if they don't know that they're taking it and then what you do is you do that where like in my mind you can kind of see the direct correlations to how something like an an operational setting working with soldiers where you do a version of talk therapy with soldiers where you interview them you'd probably we say talk therapy they mean interrogation right they go in they find out information about the our boys right and then they use their specific settings in order to create a kind of a comforting frame in order to hypnotize you using your own voice Mm -hmm. I would have ground my teeth to, into my gums. You have a football helmet on. You're hearing your own words, and you're tripping on acid. It's a lot. That is horrifying. But Ben, I remember one time, didn't you trip acid and like listen to roundtable episodes for like seven hours? Yeah, but I, I didn't have a football that. helmet on. Yeah, he didn't have a football helmet on. He couldn't. He <laughs> I couldn't even that big damn melon in his. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's slightly different. Also, roundtable was quite funny and humorous. It's true. And the it's only true. person that laughed at their own jokes was Eddie. He, he loves his jokes. It wasn't Igor. Live from your grave. How many platforms do I work on? So many platforms. Can you believe it? Google Docs. Work on that. Very complicated. Lots of different things going out. Clickety-clack, right? Slack. Saying things to my employees. All of my, all my, my main doldgers walking around here. It makes sure it changes cluck to the word I meant for it to say to everyone. But I try to say not curse words on Slack. What am I supposed to do about it? But Grammarly doesn't fix curse words, does it? Because Grammarly's too good for it. It's too classy. It's Grammarly is an AI writing partner that helps you get work done faster with high quality writing. Because better writing means a stronger impact. The pen is mightier than the sword. Except when the sword is in the room. 96% of Grammarly users report that Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing and suggestions based on your audience goals and context. Can you believe it? And data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly. It's in its goods. All right. So Grammarly's great. Use it. I use it. I love its gentle harassment of my writing style because it does help me because sometimes my thumbs are faster than my eyeballs. Don't quote me on that. Get AI writing support that works where you work. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? 
I didn't. Thanks, Babel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Well, by 1960, Dr. Cameron was moving on to sensory deprivation techniques, building off the work of Dr. Donald Hebb. We talked about him last episode. But unlike Hebb, Cameron was trying to find ways to use sensory deprivation specifically to irreversibly scramble a person's brain. That was on the request of the CIA. Oh, my God. For this, Cameron had a simple box built behind the hospital, and he kept a 52-year-old woman inside that box for 35 days. From then on, she was called Tupperware Tanya, and no one knew Mm -hmm. where she got the nickname from. I have no (laughs) idea. What the hell was the point of this? Ah, well, he followed that with comatose sleep therapy, then rounded it out with psychic driving for 101 days. According to Cameron's report, quote, no favorable results obtained. Not just going to have to put another TFU. Next to this. <laughs> man. Here we go. Oh my gosh. I could have just told him that was going to happen before the experiment. Yeah. Perhaps inspired by the work of Sidney Gottlieb, Cameron also got into the poison game, proposing a sensory deprivation test to the CIA that involved a poison called curare that paralyzed body functions at low doses. Multiple paralysis experiments were done on patients with this drug, most likely with LSD. But again, <laughs> no favorable results Nothing were obtained. Favorable. Okay. Yeah. I would also like to point out, we haven't really even said that we haven't gotten to the woo-woo territory. We're going to get into that a little bit more next episode. But this idea that constantly diving into the subconscious, maybe even the collective unconscious, with these barbaric systems of uh-huh. just torturing us, I think it could have affected, like, everybody. It could yeah. have. Yeah, I think it fucked us up real bad. Yeah. You moved the gravestones, but you didn't move the bodies. <laughs> I feel like somebody's there been fucking something. pissing in the collective unconscious and it pops and it just fucking pops up everywhere. Seriously. Yeah. Either that or it was all the lead. Can it be both? It can't be <laughs> can, it, can we have can the there quilt. be there's room for everyone in exactly. my house? Exactly. Is it a dinner without an appetizer, a main course, and a dessert? No, I don't think so. Appetizer. It all goes together. <laughs> So, by 1963, the CIA had come to conclude that Dr. Cameron's research wasn't giving them what they wanted. So, the grants from the Society for the Investigation of Human Ecology stopped, and the CIA cut ties with Cameron completely. So, Cameron began begging for funding wherever he could, but by the next year, he very suddenly resigned. Perhaps not so coincidentally, his resignation came immediately after the Canadian Psychiatric Association adopted the Helsinki Declaration 
governing ethical rules for medical research. You oh, know it's... something's wrong with your practice when you have to stop after that is passed. Oh, yeah. Then you realize, you'd be like, <laughs> oh, oh, I feel uh, like, I feel mm. like things might be, mm, I think the temperature's changing. This room's going to Got to put a wrench in what we're doing here. <laughs> Within 24 hours of Cameron's resignation, all depatterning and psychic driving projects were shut down. His laboratory was closed and dismantled, and all of Cameron's methods were banned in Canada. Four years later, Cameron died of a heart attack, having answered for not one bit of the torture he'd caused hundreds of people. Well, there you go. Sometimes a heart attack is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Hey, sometimes it's a nice warning to make sure you change your diet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a good point, too. Actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, I'm taking it back. It would have been nice if there was some justice. Yeah. Well, some some of his patients did get a payout uh, years and years later. uh, $100,000 each. And the sad thing is they delivered it inside of a football helmet. And I just feel like why (laughs) trigger them like that? Why trigger them? I don't need a gift package. Mm. Most of them, however, uh, most of the people in that lawsuit weren't able to get payouts because they weren't able to prove that they had been a part of these experiments. Uh, because of course running. not. Yeah. They're messed up, yeah. man. They I, destroyed the records. They buried I, yeah. the whole fucking program. I can't prove where it was on Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> That's a mistake. Every yeah. day you should take a picture with a, yourself next to a newspaper every day. Just so yeah. you know, you've been somewhere. But. Notice that I said that Cameron's techniques were banned in Canada. Even though Cameron's depatterning, repatterning project had been a bust overall, his legacy was felt in the CIA for decades after, in both experimentation and interrogation. Using Cameron's research, the CIA rebuilt Cameron's isolation chamber at the National Institutes for Health in Bethesda, Maryland, for one of the more bizarre experiments of the Cold War. Operation Resurrection. This is sweet. Using bogus radio techniques created by Cameron's assistant, Leonard Rubinstein, scientists adapted radio frequencies so that radio energy could be beamed directly into the brains of disturbed and violent animals. Hank the Tank is a fucking victim of MK Ultra. We should talk about this. He's been weaponized. Free Hank the Tank. Okay. The animals were then decapitated. Then their heads were transplanted onto the bodies of other animals to see whether the energy from the radio frequency could bring the animals back to life. Whoa, this is what cool. they did. This is what they did to Sarah Jessica Parker's character in Mars, in Mars Attacks. Attacks. I can't believe this is the CIA funded. This I guess you know Whoa. what I can't believe. I so guess I can't believe. Did it yeah. work? No. What? what? (laughs) If it didn't work, how do you explain Martha, my goat wife? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. She's also part dog. Head of a goat, pussy of a woman, body of a horse. (laughs) Yeah, explain that then. You tell me she's not real. Of course, that was mostly done on monkeys. It was monkey. Mm. It was a it was a monkey experiment for the most part. Leave them alone. Concerning monkeys, let's take a quick side quest into monkey experimentation, shall we? Oh, do we have to? I just a bit. I, you're gonna. Lie. I don't know. If you, I tell you right now, they should have figured out how to use weapons that they didn't want to be experimented on. Well, yeah. <laughs> I put it on them. I, bl- I victim blame. I've, I've seen some footage of, uh, of 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 use. It was very funny. Well, the CIA also tried enlisting the help of a doctor named John Lilly, oh, who had yeah. devised a method of connecting electrodes directly into a monkey's brain. Through this method, Lily discovered the parts of a monkey's brain that caused pain, fear, anxiety, and anger, and he could activate those centers through electrodes. 
Famously, Lily connected an electrode to a monkey's orgasm center, then connected the other end to a button that the monkey was given control of. And the monkey thereafter pressed the button at least once every three minutes for 16 hours a day. That monkey knew it was good. I actually... uh... This is my pussy wet button? Yeah. That was fucking I, huge, uh, man. I was that uh, monkey. Yeah, yeah, I bet. Yeah. yeah. Got my boner trigger. This guy, uh, but John Lilly also famously would go on to have sex willingly with a dolphin. Mm-hmm. That is true. That true? Yep. Oh, yeah. That was him. John Lilly was a man with- What do you mean he that was him? Hold the, on a second. He wait, thought wait, wait. outside of the box. <laughs> He was a very creative guy. What do you guys guy? talk about on your phone yeah. calls, on your prep calls? Because Marcus's reaction to that, and then he went to fuck a dolphin, and he's like, yep, that's right. Yeah. What are we talking about here? He's an interesting guy. No, I just I, I just knew a bit of the history of dolphins. Yeah, but fucking, also, let's it. not forget that we should still be shocked by it. Mm. Ah, Otherwise, we just end up like the doctors. <laughs> that's no, that boat fine. leaving the harbor. Oh, <laughs> With my sanity and my taste. There it goes. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It's, so, always, it's never been there. By day, he makes monkeys come. And by night, <laughs> he makes dolphins come. Jesus. <laughs> but the thing is that Lily, the CIA wanted Lily for mind control projects, but Lily insisted that all of his work remain unclassified, which made the CIA think about him a little suspicious. So Lily wasn't actually a part of MKUltra, although they wanted him to be a part of MKUltra. But that doesn't mean that the CIA did not use his technology. In 1968, American forces anesthetized a group of Viet Cong prisoners in Saigon and implanted tiny electrodes into their brains through a hinged flap that they cut into the back of their skulls. Oh my fucking God, it's Dr. Satan, man. It really is Dr. Satan. When the prisoners awoke... They found that they had been placed in a room filled with knives. And scientists behind a fucking one-way mirror observed and pressed buttons connected to the implanted electrodes for a week because they thought that they could activate the violence and aggression centers in the men's brains and make them kill each other. When all it did was give the prisoners a massive headache, they were all executed by Green Berets. That is just such an example of our foreign policy and what we do. Like, it's just such an example of, of, of American thought. It's really fucked up to just think that you could do all of that and then just kill them. And also well, to think that this, is this horrible. started yeah. with jerking off a dolphin. You know what I mean? Like, that's where it started. <laughs> right. And then it ended in that. Didn't even, yeah, no. so they were in 68. So 53 were football helmets. Someone's screaming at their, in, in the ear. And by 68, we're... We're testing this on uh, on, on human people. beings. Yep. It's just horrible. Well, concerning Dr. Cameron's work on humans, though, the CIA tried continuing his experiments and spent $700,000 on research at Georgetown University. There, they tested whether Cameron's psychic driving techniques could be replicated on the mentally challenged and terminal cancer patients. Leave them alone. Jeez, I just want to... They could not. They could not. They could not replicate. Yeah. Learning nothing... Dr. Cameron's research was replicated and used again during the Vietnam War, when doctors attempted to use depatterning to change the political views of Viet Cong prisoners. Uh, after three weeks, they ended up killing every single one through uh, thousands of electroshock treatments. Got a little impatient. 
We could have brought him to America and just given him like McDonald's, like the OG McDonald's. <laughs> no, they should have just, and they would have been like, yeah. "This is incredible." We'll just stay. Like they would have, they could have just brought him to, like they could have brought him to beautiful, well, sunny California and like put him in a convertible and shit. Like they could have done a lot of things. They could have just brought them an Arby's, and Arby's could have popped up over there. I mean, this is, uh, I mean, American culture. This is when this is before we realized all that we have is culture as an export, and that's yeah. what we should have done. And then. weapons, though. Well, yeah, and, and our versions of little governments and our versions hmm. of little dictatorships. We create those too. We are wonderful weapons dealers. The CIA also tried depatterning and psychic driving on a KGB defector, starving him and playing a cacophony of sounds through earphones for up to 23 hours at a time, all while they injected massive amounts of amphetamines, barbiturates, and LSD into his veins. He liked it, though. <laughs> these KGB maybe, guys, maybe these like, KGB guys are hardcore. Look at Putin. They like this type of shit. They like the because then it kind of feels like now I'm KGB. Now we can come. <laughs> yes. Now we can officially ejaculate. Yeah. Now all of this, I describe it as absolute fucking bonkers to yeah. say the least. Uh -huh. From the psychic driving to the push button violence to the monkey head swapping, it's a lot of weird shit going on here. Yeah. But those experiments were but one part of the widespread MK Ultra experimentation that occurred during the 1950s. Yeah, because this shit's also got to go wide. You're still talking about POWs, mental patients, like people that are now like that we're are niche. They're, they're niche and they are niche. highly vulnerable and they are what they could get. Right. They are what they yeah. could get. But what they also understood inherently, the main like crux of MK Ultra is that it needs to work in the wild. It needs to work yeah. out there right. and, and mm -hmm. uh, with little control. Like it needs to be able to work. So what can we discover if we just turn our Sauron eye onto us? Mm -hmm. So this is still, this is just a long, this is just a long spring training. They haven't even played mm. the game yet. Well, this is, this, this is, is them just really laying a, the groundwork for yes. them eventually going live with it, I guess. Yeah, and they never truly went live with it, not okay. necessarily, but what they did do was open up experimentation to the general public with Operation Midnight Climax. This is the famous one, and honestly, it's wild. I'll get, mm -hmm. I guess that's a part of it, too, is that with the re-going through this topic, is that it really is that. It more just, like, rechecks me and just, just how wild this time period was and what yeah. the fuck they just, what they did. Like, it's, it's just a, oh, wow. All just right, what's Midnight Climax? Operation Midnight Climax was an extension of the project started in Greenwich Village by former narcotics detective George Hunter White. Remember him? He was the menacing bowling ball with the mm -hmm. massive appetite for <laughs> sex and drugs that we discussed in a previous episode. Yeah, he's the fun guy. He's the cool guy. He's the guy in the know. He loves spaghetti. Yeah. He's a fucking big fat piece of shit. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> By 1955, George Hunter White had taken a promotion that moved him from New York City to San Francisco. So Sidney Gottlieb saw an opportunity to create a new safe house where the program would be extended from just LSD dosing to LSD dosing combined with sex. No, and it's the sexual <laughs> component that I think is why conspiracy theories also went fucking crazy because they started to mm -hmm. understand that the true vulnerable spot of a human's life is right before and right after you fucking come in a bed that you think is secure, right? right. Like mm -hmm. it's this thing where people are willing to open themselves up in a way that you, but you might take, it might take months to psychically drive them to this point of vulnerability where sometimes if you, you, you might never see a guy fucking cry until you can make him shoot. <laughs> I, don't, 
I really feel I don't like, know what kind of sex yeah, you're having, but that's saying. all right. No, absolutely. We're they're most vulnerable. Thinking himself highly clever, George Hunter White himself named this undertaking Operation Midnight Climax. It's how you know it sounds like a fucking orgasm. I get it. Thank <laughs> you. It sounds like it's, an orgasm. It's pretty on the nose, don't you think? <laughs> Fuck you. Okay, I'm just saying. What is this fucking the New Yorker? You want me to come up I'm with some like, New Yorker, fucking no. bullshit being like, uh, that's what Ukraine said. Is that yeah. what you want me to do? So you're, so you're just going to make people come right around midnight. That's yep. the okay. Damn. Got it. Thank you. <laughs> so he opened his new safe house at 225 Chestnut Street on Telegraph Hill in San Francisco. As author Stephen Kinzer put it, this apartment was decorated in bordello chic with pictures of can-can dancers on the walls, red curtains, and large mirrors scattered amidst a selection of porno and 1950s sex toys. Ironically, yeah. Chestnut was how most days ended. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is the New Yorker. <laughs> we'll put it in a little comic. Put that little comic. Come all over someone's chest. That's what Ukraine like said. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's what. Yeah. In addition to massive amounts of acid, the apartment was also well stocked with liquor, and George Hunter White could often be seen quote drinking from a pitcher of martinis while sitting on the toilet. <laughs> That's the guy who's second. in charge of the CIA operation. If you want to see who where the boss is, he okay. is drinking a marg, eating no, chips not on the a, toilet. Not a marg, brother. He said a martini. Martini. Ooh. So he oh, was wow. drinking. That is just vodka. Yeah. He was just drinking a pitcher of straight vodka. I be feel like, like it's a martini. I feel like, like no, the, it's not. the pitcher part of it is what eliminates the martini yes, part of it. You can't just put a fucking olive in and be like, it's a martini. It's like, no, dude. No, that's a martini. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> So at Gottlieb's direction, White put together a team of sex workers who would bring clients to the safe house. There, the Johns would be dosed with LSD or any number of other drugs before sex, all while the CIA recorded every moment. In essence, the goal of Operation Midnight Climax was to study how sex in combination with drugs could be used not to make men talk against their will, but to see how much information a man would voluntarily let loose after he blew his load. I trust someone who is being waterboarded more than a man before he has come, <laughs> during he has come, come or after. Before. Before. Say anything. No, but even after, after also, I think it's all, I that whole know. thing is blurry. <laughs> after you do it, because if she does it good. After also, you do it, you say you'll get married to her. One of the, yeah. that's what happens, but you it's, you know, you never know. Sometimes you get caught. It's but it's talk. like, the guy fucking, when the one tactic they used to do is like, when you're fucking, you get him real hard and be like, so where are you going to Russia next week? <laughs> you just start like you get him to the peak of hard and then you just ask him an innocuous question and then he's like Koblinski and then all of a sudden he's coming. He's coming. He's like, no, I didn't say that was my uh, cum noise. Yeah, well, Koblinski. Just wondering if we can trust the information received from a man pre, during or post orgasm. Well, assisting White in the recruitment of sex workers was a former military intelligence officer named Ike Feldman. Feldman paid each woman between 50 and 100 bucks for every John they brought in and provided a get-out-of-jail-free card printed with White's phone number that could be used in future busts. Honestly, not a bad gig. It's not a it's bad actually, gig. It's great to be yeah. here, but uh, Ike, I kind of want you. Do you think you want to... <laughs> Oh, you want me to be the one of the first girls? Yeah, yeah, I can get in there. Come on, Ike. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Now, after watching a fair amount of these poor dopes having sex through a one-way mirror, Ooh. Ike Feldman was... 
Ike Feldman was amazed with how freely men spoke about anything and everything under the influence of drugs after sex. To him, it got to the point where he was almost convinced it was preferable to traditional interrogation. He yep. said, quote, If it was a girl, you put her tits in a drawer and you slam the drawer, right? <laughs> if it was a guy, you took his cock and you hit it with a hammer. What is that? And they would talk to you, of course. But now with these drugs, you can get information without ever having to abuse people. Oh, well, honestly, this, it could be totally utopian. Well, this if is kind of what he's saying. was literally just, we just jerk you off, you tell us the truth. Man, that would have been a nice scandal uh, as opposed to what we had well, with Abu Ghraib. You have to remember, this yeah. is also being, you're being dosed on, without your knowledge. So that's the yeah. other thing too. It's not just post-nut clarity. It's like you have been, there's either aerosol, they would spray literally acid into the room because she would go like, She'd have a waiting period. Well, how did the where she'd gals go the room, not get messed up? She'd go into the bathroom, and oh. then they dose the dude. Or she would have a, a hypodermic needle, and she would slice it through the cork of a wine bottle and squirt LSD into it. Pour him a glass. Say, "I'm going to go clean up." She, he goes, drinks it. All of a sudden, he's stripping. That's the that's mm -hmm. the movie I want to see. Oh yeah, I want to yeah. see the sex gals doing all the CIA work. Now, White and Feldman arranged for these sex workers to stay with clients for hours afterward, and they immediately observed that having a sex worker stay after sex boosted the man's ego. It's much like how an exotic dancer will tell you that you're not like the other losers who usually come in here, because um, they're just Excuse trying me? to bilk you out of money. But the we're not. He still isn't, though. I'm not like the other losers that come in here. <laughs> no, he's Why would like, I be like one of the other losers no, that's, that's right. No, Ben, he's you're different. not like the other. I'm not talking no. about you. You're not like the other losers who go in there. It's not you. No, no. I'm. Well, meet, you have just become the sex worker. <laughs> All I knew is I heard I'm not like the other boys. <laughs> I'm unique. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, mine always uh, comes up being like, "You're different. You're different." <laughs> and it just starts as that. Really, you're different. Well, this is an ego boost. And White and Feldman found that it made the subject feel vulnerable. And the longer the sex worker stayed, the more this guy felt like he was a big man. The more he felt like he was a big man, the more he wanted to prove that he was a big man. And how he proved that he was a big man was talking about his fucking business. Yeah. But also exaggerating, correct? So is sure, it true? Oh, yeah. There's mixtures yeah. of all of that. That's okay. intelligence in general, though. That's just right. like. Yeah. But I mean, that's. Well, the thing is about it is that it, it's trying to find the kernels of truth. It's basically finding. Uh, leads like you're just yeah. asking you're having this guy talk about it and then you check on the lead and you see where else that leads you so going off the success of the first san francisco safe house they opened up another in marin county that was nowhere near as fun as the one on chestnut street in the second safe house Sidney gottlieb head of mk ultra and so-called poisoner in chief provided george hunter white with stink bombs, sneezing powders, and diarrhea inducers to be tested on unwitting Johns. Did we all just get into a time machine and make this as we, if we met in seventh grade? Yeah. Like, how are we gonna? How are we gonna <laughs> do? It? What are we gonna do to Mrs. Killsdonk, man? I got stink bombs, bro. It's all like Tom Green remote bits. It is like really what is. they did to people where you'd go in because that's the thing too. This one is like you think you're about to have awesome sex, mm -hmm. but instead of LSD, kind of makes you all loose and fun. She puts a poo-poo fucking drug in your wine, and then you spend the rest of it reenacting the scene from Dumb and Dumber while she's going to be like, so we're like through the door. So where are you going to be in Russia next week? While he's just, I really can use more TP. 
Gottlieb's compounds would be introduced with such fun CIA spy toys as drug lace swizzle sticks, the ultra-thin hypodermic needles that Henry mentioned, and glass capsules that released stinky dinkies when they were crushed underfoot. Fart eggs. Stinky dinky. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh. Watch the intro of the past. It's and awful. that's it. But it is uh, phenomenal. That's my Manchurian candidate. Like, that is what I'm going to start with. Yeah. Stinky did, Dinky yeah. must kill the queen. Even though she's been dead for three months. Apparently she might be. She's fucking dead. Yeah. Well, these dosings in San Francisco, however, weren't just relegated to safe houses. In 1957, a deputy marshal named Wayne Ritchie attended a Christmas party at the federal building in San Francisco. In attendance at that Christmas party was George Hunter White and Ike Feldman. They're not just doing this shit on Johns. They're doing it on whoever they feel like fucking with. After several drinks, Wayne Ritchie became disoriented, grabbed his two revolvers, and left the party for a bar in the Fillmore District. There, Ritchie inexplicably aimed his pistols at the bartender and demanded money in an LSD haze, stopping Weird. only when a customer knocked him out from behind. Ritchie's sudden madness was baffling. Because remember, this guy is a deputy marshal. He pled guilty to armed robbery, although the judge let him off without prison time. He spent the rest of his life in a depression and didn't put the pieces together as to what happened to him until he read a story about LSD dosing 22 years later. Sound familiar? Wow. Now, Sidney Gottlieb's motivation for Operation Midnight Climax are, to say the least, suspect. According to Ike Feldman, Gottlieb was, quote, cock crazy. Yeah. And the safe houses <laughs> gave him ready access to sex workers, which he would regularly visit and never pay. We'll build the government. You gotta pay. <laughs> we'll build the government. Oh, my God. That's literally your tax dollars hard, hard at work. Hard Is cock hard at work. And furthermore, Ike Feldman remembered Sidney Gottlieb having sex with George Hunter White's wife in the San Francisco safe house while White was passed out on the bathroom floor. And <laughs> according to Feldman, this happened many, many times. This is really where you see how an unhinged it had become and just how yeah. fucking like we keep using the word slapdash and like all this like just how little they were even like thinking about the how it was going to come out like no one gave a fucking shit like they were just now living the they were all living in the the fantasy roles that they had created for themselves mm -hmm. it reminds me of I, well, I forget where the reference is from but it's like you're so fucking dead and you don't even know it yet these guys were just in the middle of it right yes. so they, they have no clue what they're even thinking they're, it's just yeah. also stupid and crazy and horrible yeah, but the safe houses were scaled back in 1963 following a report by CIA Inspector General John Earman, which strongly suggested closing both the San Francisco and New York locations. By 1966, both were gone completely. Now, it seemed like the good times were coming to an end for MK Ultra, but not without a fair amount of assassination attempts. And that, my friends is where we'll conclude our series on MKUltra next week with Fidel Castro, the creation of 60s counterculture, and exactly how MKUltra came to be public knowledge. As well as, of course, 
Kathy O'Brien. We're not going to skip her, folk. Don't worry. Oof. Oh, yes. We're going to talk about Kathy O'Brien, maybe a little bit of Kenny Jones. We're going to talk about whatever Project Monarch is, whether what did, what the fuck that is, if that's even closely resembling what MKUltra really was, or it's if it's just total fan fiction. Uh, it is, you know... This is a lot. And it, it is. really yeah. is. It's an MK Ultra frame of mind, baby. That's what you got to get yourself well, into. You want to fucking get on my level? You want to figure out what any of this shit means? You got to just give up reading things for pleasure and only consume MK Ultra content for a period of time. Like, and like, it'll it'll affect things. It's kind of like Tammy mm -hmm, from yeah. 600 Pound Sisters or 1,000 Pound Sisters being like, you want to diet like me for a day? I don't know if anyone wants to get in your headspace, Henry. I mean, hey, man, <laughs> it's helping me see a little bit more clearly, hold my friends a little bit more dearly, and understand yeah. <laughs> that we are a part of a fucking apopopolis and an apocalypse of ops that we are just at the center of. I love it. Well, this is thick. If it was a book, it would be a, they would call it an old, they would call it a Bible blister. They would smack a blister with it. It would pop. Remember that? I had one on my hand. Yeah. We um, anyway. had more, um, I think we've used more sources in this series than any other series that we've ever done trying to put together the storyline. Yeah, and then close yeah. about eight. I think we used point. three more books on Dr. Cameron today. Uh, we'll post them somewhere, but yeah, yeah we I'm used gonna a, do a, a, a I fair amount also, more books. Yeah. And I want to put up all of my evil books so you can guys also see what i've been reading. yep all of the information mm -hmm. came directly from the pentagon so you can trust <laughs> us in no way is this also an op Whoa. all right everyone. did you say apopolips apopolips yes apopolips okay. <laughs> i tried apopolips no, right, I, I, like I didn't write that down i yeah. just came up with it sure <laughs> that's all we do Thank you all so much for listening. Um, all right. We hope you're doing great out there. We, we're going to be in Chicago, and we can't wait to be inside of Chicago. Can't wait. Um, so we will see you early March. You guys have those dates. It's we, next week. Next it's week. next week. It's, it's happening next very, week. very quickly. Yeah. Uh, can't wait. Uh, also, check out the Z2 comic book. Also, check out Soul Plumber. Number five is out in the stores right now. Woo! It is released. And thanks to everyone who listened to our W episode on Sirius Radio, Open Lines. Thank you all for calling in. Uh, we have a really fun topic for you this next Monday. Oh, yes. And, yes, we do. Um, we will be out there. Yeah, Monday, 4 p.m. PST, 7 p.m. EST, Faction Talk 103. Come and join us. We're going to talk to you live on the air. And we change our voices. And we, oh, and yeah. We start I do more of there. a sluggo. I go like, sluggo. <laughs> it's like Kevin and the Bean. No, we're the exact same as always. Yeah. Faction Talk 103, Sirius XM Radio, this Monday, 7 p.m. Tune in, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to have a yes. wild time. Chick, 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 chick. Get the let out. Get the let out. No, we're <laughs> <laughs> we are the exact same whether we like it or not. Yep. And keep on yep. supporting all the shows here on the Last Podcast Network. Uh, we're keeping you up to date on what's going on the best we can with uh, Top Hat. And of course, you have a new um, you have a new uh, no dogs, no dogs coming, coming out. It's coming out soon. We're, we're still it's under wraps, but it's coming. We're about to record oh. episode two uh, next week. So we're All we're right. about to start get, uh, releasing episodes once we got a bit of a backlog. Hope you love a five parter on Steve Winwood. Steve Winwood, <laughs> my go-to hey. is. All right, everyone, thanks so much for listening. Life again. Be safe out there. Hail Satan. Well, and how gain y'all? Open up Mugustalations. Steve Winwood, man. Hail Steve Winwood, dude. Yeah, sure. Why not? Mm -hmm. him. Sure. I hope he didn't why beat not? his wife or anything, right? I don't miss Steve. Uh, I don't know. I'm I looking don't know. It. He's working. He's, he's <laughs> on tour right now. Okay. Yeah. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.
for 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.